How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome to the Dunn Tire Roundtable on WGR. Mike Schoep and the Bulldogs. Sal Capaccio, the divisional round. Bills and Bengals, a highly anticipated matchup, to say the least, and not just by us and Cincinnati fans. This is a good one league-wide. It was a great one in December, or I guess early January, the game. January 2nd, yeah. Right, where they were slated to play in the regular season. They got nine minutes in, and then the unfortunate events involving DeMar Hamlin put a stop to that game. He's doing well, and we have the game we wanted, Bills and Bengals here in Buffalo here in round two. I, I feel like I know to start here with Sal, some sort of a broader setup for this game, but I'm not going to. The last guy on brought up the first the first uh, meeting, the nine minutes, mm-hmm. how, how the Bengals played. They were effective. They were arguably even dirty. They won the coin toss and took the ball, this stuff. Callers laying out, you know, a common sort of Cincinnati was ready for that game. What about it, Sal? Like, is is there anything, how much, whether you have a, a thought on some of that, which you probably do, but also, like, how much information did these two teams get from each other that night? I asked McDermott about that today when he was on with us, and he's been asked about it a couple times this week, and he did say it's a small sample, but you, you know, you could take a little bit away. Um, I, I think the point that the caller made, I agree with. I don't know, maybe ready's the word. I think the Bengals really went in with a very, very aggressive mindset that game, uh, that they're going to take it to the Bills. Remember the talk leading up to the game. They were just very – there's a lot of yeah. bravado coming out of there. We talked about that. I think that was their mindset. They're going to take the ball. They're going to score. They're going to just go right after Tredavious White in the first play. They're not going to care. Um, you say borderline dirty. There were a couple times there, right? We're going to be aggressive. We're going to come after you. Uh, look what happened with Hayden Hurts. Hayden Hurts hurt. Hurst, excuse me, and Taron Johnson, obviously, and then Hendrickson rolling into Josh Allen. It doesn't have to be related to all of that mindset, but it probably is because they just felt that we're going to take it to them any way they can. So I think the Bills are aware of that now, obviously, right? Hey, they, they, they did this last time. We cannot let that happen to us because it did cost them seven points in the first drive, and they were driving. They were out, I think, across midfield um, when DeMar collapsed. So, uh, But you could – I think what it is more than anything, guys, is – you can at least tap into this is what they thought about us and how to play us. It doesn't mean we think they're going to do the exact same thing, but at least that's the starting base you have going into this week's preparation. Yeah, I think I I mentioned to you earlier this week, Sal, um, having some curiosity uh, whether or not 
either of these teams would be able to get to that kind of a fever pitch again, given what happened. I know it's weeks ago now, and life goes on, and Hamlin is you know on a pretty long road to recovery, but he's on a road to recovery. Like, he's not in danger mm-hmm. anymore anyway. He's not in a hospital bed. And so maybe as competitors, just like, okay, well, that was unprecedented, but it happened, and he's okay, and they saved him, so, like, now he's got to go play. Um, but, I don't know, it, it, it feels a little oh, – I feel a little funky about just assuming everyone is fine and over it um, on both sides. You know, I mean, I, I think if you – like, I'm thinking about Tredavious White. I know this was a couple of weeks ago, but, like, I close my eyes and I see it. I would think any guy, any person who was there witnessing that would still – could still be susceptible to that, those sorts of feelings. Sure. I think that's, I, I, I would never want to assume, you know, anybody is or isn't right. I mean, that's how yeah. everybody processes everything in their own way. I would say what helps here though, is you have played two games since for both yeah. teams. You've been on a football field, uh, you have all the reports and, you know, it's been easier to kind of turn the page to concentrate on football and they're not playing in the same stadium. I think that would also maybe, you know, trigger those feelings a little bit more. They're not going to be wearing the same colored uniforms. The Bills are wearing blue. The Bengals are wearing white. All that stuff, I think, probably <laughs> creeps into play yeah. here. So, yeah, I don't know how much all of that's going to matter on Sunday. You know, when you go to kick off the, the football, I think guys know that, you know, they have to be concentrating on playing football against their opponent, especially one that did come out as aggressive as the Cincinnati Bengals did against the Bills a few weeks ago. Well, you've had, we've all had all week to talk about this matchup, going back to the other game, too, that, that on top of this. How do you feel just generally, Sal, about this opponent for the Bills? We know Burrow, Chase, and Higgins defensively. That coordinator has gotten a lot of uh, has gotten a lot of credit. Um, we know about the line injuries. What does it add up to for you? What kind of test here for the Bills? I mean, it's a very big test. They're they're still a, a really really uh, terrific football team, and you know they have weapons all over the place. And obviously, I'm watching a lot of the <coughs> excuse me national shows today just before I came on with you guys I'm watching like ESPN and the talking heads there and you know the recurring theme is I'm not going against Joe Burrow right that's what a lot of it is I'm not going against Joe Burrow he's just so good he's Joe cool and why not I mean he's a terrific player um so I think you know the Bills have their hands full when it comes to all that I think though I've always said you give Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier a week to prepare I think that they'll have a a solid game plan against anybody it doesn't mean it's always going to work they can always make plays on you but I think they'll have a good grasp of what they want to do and what they think can be effective and in this particular case I would think the same thing especially considering their offensive line I heard you talking Mike last hour about when you you know when you hear about offensive linemen being down it doesn't really kind of move the meter as much for you I understand that I do but I think it's different when you have three out of five Mm -hmm. you know that's a that's a group that has to play together that's a group that has to be kind of in sync. you lose one you went next man up even two maybe once you get start three out of five that's a group they have not played together at all this year, other than the last half of last game. And you're also talking about the fact that this has happened so recently to them. They went 15 games without changing one of those guys out. They have now changed three of them out in the last three weeks. That's four a good weeks. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Collins first, then Kappa, and, and now uh, now Williams, right? Right. Is how that's gone. Um, I, I tell you, man, I, I'm, I've been more focused on that. Um, and I think I started right right as soon as this week, you know, as soon as we turned the page from the Miami game. But there was a piece of the Miami game to me that, that sort of was my walking off point. Miami was banged up up front, and the Bills did not 
like four, you know the four man the four you know the linemen anyway there wasn't like a, b- a bunch of win- they weren't unblockable and i want to give you a chance to say what you've said i think the two times i've brought that up because i i, I i'm kind of clinging to it like a i'm not quite like a life raft because i don't feel despair uh, at all like i feel very confident about this game and maybe in part because of what you said about how the bills approached miami and i guess i'm hoping it'll be different against cincinnati yeah what i saw the bills really and this was evidenced, I think, by something Miami did, and I'll get to that in a second, but the the Dolphins did have a banged-up offensive line, and you know everybody said the Bills can take advantage of them. That's right. But I think they did it a different way. They just basically said, we're not going to let you run on us. You're not going to run block us. Miami averaged 2.1 yards a carry. It was insanely low. They averaged 3.3 yards per play. Uh, that is only the eighth time in the last 16 years of NFL playoff football that any team averaged 3.3 yards a play or less. So the Bills did a really good job. And I think up front, they just didn't pin their ears back. They didn't fly upfield. When you fly upfield, that's when lanes get created. And I think the Bills said, guess what? We're going to stay in our lanes. We're going to squat. We're going to set the edge. And we're going to bet that Skylar Thompson, even if he has a little extra time, that he can't beat us. And then what they did was they mixed in a few blitzes, and Matt Milano winds up with two sacks. And that's how they got the pressure when they said, we're not going to worry about it up front. Yeah, if we can get pressure, that's great. I mean, they still got it a few times, and they made them mm-hmm. run around. But the thing that Miami tried to do was, like, I think Miami thought that they could just get to the edge on the Bills, and they couldn't. Every, every run for the first two series, I think, was to the edge, and they just couldn't do it. And the Bills were there because they weren't flying upfield. They weren't giving them that. They were basically coming down the line of scrimmage, going with the flow, and really being disciplined. I think this week you might see something different. I think this week mm-hmm. because since he just isn't a great run team anyway – and Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball so quickly, I think this week might be the week where they say, we're just going to go upfield, and hopefully we'll have to have him kind of get off his read quicker. We don't, aren't going to be as threatened necessarily by the run. And not only that, but, you know, those receivers, you know, we got to make sure, you know, we, if, if we try to blitz to generate pressure, they're probably going to beat us anyway. So I think this yeah. week is try to get the pressure with the front four. And, um, you know, if they try to run, we think that we can handle them. Yeah, that's, I think, basically how a team would normally want to start. Let's see what this amounts to, and then if we have to pivot, you know, that's maybe a bad sign, but then right. we can adjust to that and send more guys. Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline. I did not hear your show this morning, but Twitter today has been a lot about Allen and his performances of late, trying to do too much, that whole thing, the article from Ben Solak at The Ringer. What's your take, Sal? Like, is that something that a is plausible if you can if you'll give me sort of the general observation I'm sure you know what I mean and then b how much of a problem is it I do think it's plausible I think Josh Allen often tries to do too much I think he's been trying to do too much since he came in the league and I think he'll try to do too much for the next 15 years hopefully of his career <laughs> and I think that's what we love about Josh Allen that when he tries to do too much sometimes he can and oftentimes he can, and he becomes Superman, and he makes a throw or a play where we say nobody else in the league can do that. Well, guess what? Nobody else in the league will even try to do that. I mean, it, it, that's what makes him special. So it's not a problem to me because I'm going to live with it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that space where Josh Allen will always try to be winning the Super Bowl every play, it seems like. And, yeah, there's got to be times. We know this. And Sean McDermott said it this week. And I'm not saying, oh, my God, be risky every single time he drops back. No, that's not what I'm saying. But even Sean McDermott said, you don't want to take the handcuffs off people like that. You prepare. You trust what what the uh, game plan is, what you want to do. 
and you know, you go out and you do it and you execute it. And last week was called for a lot of deep shots and they felt that they could do that. And that was their path to do it. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, have any issue with Josh doing that, but I do think he tries to do too much sometimes. And sometimes he can get him in trouble. I also think they're talented enough on offense to overcome it. That's another big part of it. They've, they've turned the ball over 27 times this year and they still score 28 points a game. Second in the league. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm really curious. Like I, I think the criticism is valid you know, the, the, he did push the ball down the field like crazy against Miami, but Miami was basically begging him to do that, right? Like, what, what do we want? Like, we, we want, I think, Allen to hit Gabe Davis or Stephon Diggs when they're singled up, right? I mean, Davis had a step each time on those deep throws. I mean, you got to hit him, you know? And I know there was the interception on the one to, to Brown where there was maybe a screw-up there between uh, Brown and, and Allen and, and what ended up, you know, where the ball went and where Brown went. Um, but it, it sort of assumes that I feel like like maybe overstating that criticism would be, if you're implying at all, that you're worried that he's going to do that if a team is playing too high shell or something. And right. I, I don't – I just don't – I'm sort of bracing Agreed. for – I've been calling for it for weeks, like that return of that crisp, quick – oh, woo, oh, Chris Collins, oh, look at look at the precision with Allen. He's Brady. That's the opener, and that was quick passing because the team was playing soft. And I think if the Bengals play that way, I would expect a healthy dose of that kind of passing game to at least try to bring them out of it before you take the shots. I mean, I don't expect Allen to just launch the ball down the field because he doesn't know what else to do because, you know, he's so desperate to make these big plays. I just think that's nuts. I think that it ignores evidence we've seen to the contrary even this season that he will be more practical and more conservative if it's really called for. Yeah, I mean, and and people – Again, I agree, Mike. I've seen all this stuff with you know about Allen, and that's been the talking point. Of course, I mean, these are only, there's only a few games this weekend, so everybody's going to be focusing on... Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the wise and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details stuff but i think what happens this time of year is a lot of people come out and do a little box score scouting or they watch one game and maybe that's the game you watched last week or they go by reputation i want to remind everybody that from november 20th through the end of the season one two three four five six seven eight games josh allen threw only four interceptions and i believe two of them were picked uh tipped at the line of scrimmage uh, one against chicago and one against detroit he went three games without throwing one at all um, and by the way, I'm not counting the Cincinnati game, I guess, so maybe one less game there. But you get the point. And I agree 100% Bulldog. That's what last week's game plan called for. Listen, I re- I'll always remember now. During the broadcast, it's third and, was it third and 13 on the second drive? <clears throat> and Stefan Diggs catches the long pass down the, uh, maybe middle of the field, down the hash, setting the bills up. And Eric Wood says on the radio, on the broadcast, I can't believe they went cover zero. That's a fireable offense. Dude got fired the day after the season ended the next day, right? Right? I mean, like, it's just amazing. He said that right at that moment. He said, I can't believe they did that. Well, look, that's because you, and and they did it. The Bills saw it and said, that's the, that's the play. If they're going to run cover zero Mm -hmm. and Stephon Diggs is one-on-one, I'm going to throw it to him. I do not expect the Cincinnati Bengals to do that. Therefore, I don't expect Josh Allen to throw those passes necessarily. And if they do it, I do expect Josh Allen to throw those passes. Um, Gabe Davis, the only issue I had last week was maybe they should have maybe tried to control the ball a little more on that drive when they had two passes down the sideline to Gabe Davis. But I'm going to go back to saying they went one-on-one, and they've been successful. And Josh threw the ball deep. He also threw the ball deep to Khalil Shakir that should have been caught that wasn't. They made the right calls there. I, I do not expect the Cincinnati Bengals to just go one-on-one coverage, cover zero, and allow the Bills to do that. And I expect Josh Allen and the Bills to take their shots every once in a while. But this is a game, to me, that lines up with um, Cole Beasley underneath, maybe Dawson Knox, and then Gabe Davis. The, if, you look at, if you look at the Bengals, and I brought this up this week with you guys, go look at the Bengals throughout this year. It's been not been the number one receivers on teams. It's been the number two receivers on teams that have beaten them. And that's because they do a good job of taking away a number one. And they don't have primarily necessarily the horses to to cover the number two in those situations. A guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think it was, had like eight for a buck 18 when they shut down Amari Cooper. But that has happened quite a bit to them this year. Can I just say I'd like to I'd like you to know I'm fine. I was fine with what the Dolphins wanted to do there the cover zero stuff like i don't know why the guy was fired maybe it was that but no, I, that, I understand that was i mean that's a team that's a 14 point underdog that yep. has gotten pressure on allen has gotten mistakes out of him and i think when you do that that's what your your overall your mo is you're going to try mm-hmm. you know boomer bust plays to try to get turnovers and did it not kind of work like they mm-hmm. yeah they, allen is so good and Diggs is so good that that 54-yard pass is like, okay, we'll just take a 54-yard gain. Like, that's just – that's not most teams. The Dolphins know who the Bills are, but, they, you know, they, they have Xavier Howard in that spot, and you got to pick something. So I, I kind of thought it made sense what they did. They did get a fumble touchdown return out of their, their the pressure they got. They got seven sacks. 
And they had the ball with three minutes to go and fourth and one on a, in a game where they were badly outgained. So, you know, you you got to do something. <laughs> I thought I thought kind of like, like I. I... I, I don't disagree that that was the game plan they should have. I disagree they should have done it in that moment. And those, those when long. you have that far to go, like th- that's not the time to do that. I mean, you you just you got to live to fight another well, day. But no, I I generally agree though that like that was the path for them to win. I said it all week, which is it's a big play defense. They're going to try to make big plays. They're going to bring pressure. They're going to blitz. They're going to do that because that was the way they had to try and win that game, and they were very good at it overall. Fine, yeah, that's cool. I don't know how many receivers the Bills had on the field on that play, but if I'm in like cover three or something like that, I'm mm-hmm. just worried that Josh Allen's going to take off. Like that's <laughs> this, this is the problem, you know. Playing against him is that's right. You have to give up something, and I guess I I guess I would want to see if I'm playing the Bills. You know, certain certain situations, you're going to have to hit that deep ball on me. And I would love it if you hand it off a lot. That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping to get you to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play back, you know, and mix in some blitzes. And then hopefully, you know, you're going to want to run with Singletary and Cook and be happy when you get five yards. And, you know, that's just uh, ad- advantage to me, I think, in the long game. But it's not like it's easy. No, All right. I also think, by the way, Josh Allen's legs could be a factor in this one. Uh, you watched last week, Tyler Huntley did a good job running against the Bengals. Yep. And I think t- t- saying exactly what you're saying, Mike, that might open up some things for Josh to get, take a free five, six yards. I'll just squeeze this in here because there's a lot of game plan kind of conversation, not that there won't be more, but constructing the game plan during our Football Friday Roundtable every week is brought to you by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies, equipment you need when you need it. Well, we're nice, so we won't charge those guys double because we we just even constructed the Miami game plan uh, right there. <laughs> so extra, extra bonus uh, game plan talk. More with Sal Capaccio after sports, the Duntire Roundtable, with you until 6. Then we'll do our picks. Get your Ross Tucker in case you missed Ross yesterday. And at 7, it's the Bandits. The Bandits have a big one tonight in uh, Rochester. So good rivalry. It'll be a great atmosphere there, I'm sure, and it's an important game for the Bandits. I know I know uh, lacrosse a little bit now, Bulldog, because of Julius. All right, good. He gets me. He's going to all the home games, and he's, he's uh, filling me in on the Bandits, which I'm glad for. Good to have that intel. It's nice to know things. All right, back after the update, Mike Schopen, the Bulldog, here with Sal on WGR. Bills and Bengals Sunday in the divisional round. Third game of the four this weekend. 18th. Hang on. 14th Bills divisional round game. (laughs) Sorry. 14th Bills divisional round game. The first ever playoff game was in the divisional round. 1963, War Memorial Stadium. The Bills and Patriots tied for first place in the AFL East. The format was the top two teams would meet anyway, so they met, and the game was here. And the Patriots won it 26-8. to Great score. And now joining us on the Western Hotline for a report on that game, who called it for NBC Sports Radio, is our Paul Hamill. Paul? <laughs> I'm like, is, he, is this a Paul joke or a Howard joke? It was, it was a, a Howard, Howard joke. Or a Paul it, was a Howard, joke. it was a Howard joke for Paul, is what that was. Sorry. Go ahead. Loved it. So the Patriots won it. The Bills' only touchdown, their first ever playoff touchdown, was a 93-yard pass from Daryl LaMonica to Albert Dubenyan. LaMonica was also the Bills' punter in this game. Gino Capaletti, four for 109 receiving and four field goals for Boston. 
in that game. First ever playoff game by the Bills was a divisional round game. Last year in Kansas City is uh, just a bitter pill on this list of divisional round games. Some beauties in the 90s, maybe most of all that win over Miami in the snow after the 1990 season. Bills had won the AFC East. And their last win in this round was two years ago against the Ravens, Sal. How do you remember that night? Like I'm seeing on Channel 2, they're showing hmm. this is the first full stadium at home in the divisional round since the 90s. I mean, that was a super important win and a very tense game with Baltimore. But the fact that the crowd was, what, ten or 12,000 people, whatever that was, must have made it, uh, obviously, it was unusual and maybe memorable because of it. For sure. It was a special night in the stadium. Um, it was cold. It's a big, you know, Ravens come in, all the talk all week, Lamar and, you know, him running the ball. I remember that leading up. You know, I couldn't be on the sidelines. I had to be in the moat, if you will. I had to be in the stadium. I had to be in the stands right. myself. Right. Right. So it was COVID-19 year. And even though they had fans all year, I was at the games, but there were no fans. And I would stand and kind of walk wherever I wanted. This was kind of, it was different because there were fans, but you couldn't be in like the first whatever row. So I kind of had that to myself, if you will. But the other part of it, this is what I remember. I always tell you guys the story about the Taron Johnson pick six. And I'm in the stands, basically in the corner of the end zone, watching that play come at me, if you will. And um, he catches it. And then all of a sudden I see, oh, my gosh, like this could happen. And and I, I kind of ran down the, the aisle of, of, the, uh, of the stadium, running kind of with him, watching – all, everything in front of me, and as I said, that's kind of the first time in my life I've really ever experienced something going in slow motion. It, it seemed like it was just happening in slow motion with the fans in front of me cheering and tearing and knowing he was going to get to the end zone. He went over 100 yards, and it was just all happening. And then just the elation in the stadium of people hugging each other and kind of knowing, oh, my God, we're going to do this. Now, there was still some football to be played, yeah. and – you know, there was a big pass that the Ravens missed later in that game that could have really made a difference, but they never really challenged to win it. And then Lamar got hurt. But that was the moment, I think, that everyone said, oh, my God, like this is happening. And it just became really an unbelievable scene to kind of see that and be a part of that. I remember watching the highlight from, you know, in, in the stadium and just how loud it seemed. I think it was 6,700 was the was the number oh. of tickets for some reason I have in my head. I, I might be wrong on that, but when you said 10 or 12, I, I 6,700 popped into my head. Anyway, whatever it was, you know, the stadium was you know, just not you know, anywhere near capacity, but it, it sounded like there was a full house in there on that play. Absolutely. If you guys remember, the the Ravens had a couple false starts down in the – not even the tunnel end zone. It was the other end zone because of the crowd. And it sounded, and even if you go back and watch the broadcast, I think it was Chris Collinsworth who said, oh, my God, like this crowd is so loud and they're making it tough on them. It was super cool, super cool to be inside the stadium that night and just know that they're going to the AFC Championship. And you knew what lied ahead. You knew you know, how good Kansas City was. But uh, I, I'll always remember that night. That was a special night. And, you know, being in that stadium. And like I said, I think the cool part was me being actually in the actual stands to kind of be part of the crowd when all that was happening was was really interesting. 67-72. Right, job. Just looked it up. Wow. I I uh I'd forgotten about the moat. I like that. <laughs> the moat, right. <laughs> Me too. I forgot about that too. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but sort of the vibe online today was how the Bills have doubters. 
uh, the point about Allen and the article that was written or articles that were written and just we're talking to Ross Tucker. Ross is like their biggest fan. You know, we have him on every week, and he's like, I don't think they're going to win it because there'll be one bad turnover game in there against these three in these three games, he thinks. That was that was his guess. They have doubters. The numbers and the, the biting odds and everything still pretty much love the Bills as much as ever. So that's been an interesting dichotomy, if you will. Yeah, but it goes back to what we said earlier. I mean, Ross Tucker is one of the guys that, is saying, like a lot of people, well, they've just been living life on the edge too much. And the longer you go in the playoffs, you're going to be playing better teams. You can't keep living life on the edge. And these turnovers are going to wind up eventually hurting you. And that could very well happen. But the way they play, they're also good enough to beat you and taking those risks and even overcoming those risks. So um, I like the fact that, like you said, it even seems like, I guess, I read this, Mike, sharp money was on the bills, public money on the Bengals. That's always kind of a way to I look like to look at it, too, and like, okay, well, if that sharp money came in early, um, you know, that that's a good sign. But we'll see. The weather, I don't, I don't think, is going to play a factor. It might be a little wet. Going to have some light snow, but Pat Hammer told us today that, you know, could be a little bit of um, you know, a little mix of precip in there. It's not going to be something super hard. It'll be light. But that could be the difference. And that can go for both teams, by the way. It doesn't have to be the Bills. It could be Josh Allen and a turnover. It also could be the other team putting the ball on the carpet because it's a little wet. So, you know, those things can happen during a game for any team. There's no, no rule saying the Bills are the only team that can turn the ball over here, by the way. You know, I mean, they can try to get after it and force the Bengals to turn the ball over. Right. <laughs> hey, Sal, Isaiah McKenzie is back, like, off the injury report, yeah. right? Um, what do you think – what's your guess as to what the role will be? I think the Bills have – maybe a little bit of an edge here in how McKenzie and Shakir and Beasley are all different from each other and could mm-hmm. either one of them, any one of them could en- end up being with the primary in the slot here, right? Yes. Uh, I would, my, my guess looking at it right now is, you know, they've elevated John Brown. They did it again last week. You don't have to elevate Cole Beasley. He's already on the active roster. And I think there's a reason for that, that he's going to play. So you got Diggs, you got Davis, I think McKenzie, Shakir, and Beasley are all going to play. The question is, do you want to go with a sixth wide receiver? And that would be John Brown. That could be Jamison Crowder, by the way, but that might get a little bit crowded. I know that, you know, as Joe as Joe said today, no pun intended, using mm. Crowder's name for that, Joe. but it could in the slot. Um, I just wonder, I don't know if this is a game where you have to have a guy like John Brown because going back to what we said earlier, you yeah. knew Miami was going to play a little more risky one-on-one blitzing let's take a shot I don't know if you're gonna get those opportunities so what purpose then does John Brown serve maybe you get a shot here or there but most likely you're gonna probably work underneath stuff now you have a full complement McKenzie Shakir Beasley you can use all of them so five wide receivers to me sounds about right and then you look where they're banged up what you might get elevated you got two defensive tackles that are questionable Mm -hmm. Daquan Jones Jordan Phillips well they elevated Elianku last week. You still got Brandon Bryant and Cortez uh, Broughton on the um, on the practice squad as well. So that's probably somewhere where they would at least elevate one player. Well, that's a good point about the middle of the field and John Brown. Um, it because it, it, if you know, it sort of works in concert with what I was saying earlier. You know, in response to some of the criticism of Allen for chucking it down the field so much against Miami. You know, coverage tells you what to do. And if this coverage tells you to, like, take the underneath stuff 
then maybe Shakir is someone like we were talking before you joined us, Sal. Like, how do you put the puzzle together there? Are are Beasley, McKenzie, and Shakir is is three of them kind of redundant? And maybe not. Maybe maybe you'd want to have your full complement of guys that play in that area more so than worry about stretching out on the outside. <coughs> yeah, and by the way, I just went back and watched. So I finally was able to. I didn't realize. I guess the the game that was was halted is on YouTube. Most of it, they, they, it's a little choppy, but it goes play to play, and that's exactly what the Bills did. The Bills start off the game with a throw to Stephon Diggs about eight yards downfield to the outside, mm-hmm. and then right after that, there's another one to Gabe Davis about maybe eight yards on a hook pattern. Uh, they ran the ball. Josh Allen had a couple design runs. They threw a ball to um, Reggie Gilliam to get down around the ten yard line. That's where they stalled, but that was what they did. They didn't. Um, they 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 didn't try to push the ball downfield, and and if you watch it, there's a lot of separation. Like they mm-hmm. they had open receivers doing that. Sal, the uh, playoffs get going, of course, tomorrow with Jacksonville at Kansas City. Last night, I talked myself into Jacksonville a little bit, nine point underdog, but the different ways that Trevor Lawrence can operate, different weapons, uh, and he really took a step after a terrible first half. I also like. For this, just sort of the point that turnovers are so random, and maybe that's an easy – I know how this can sound, but maybe that's a much easier win if he doesn't throw four interceptions in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, DVOA is not kind on Jacksonville's pass defense, and it's Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? Mm. I like to say a puncher's chance, right? That's what it is. A puncher is – you know, you might get bloodied and beaten up, but you get that one shot. You get that one shot in, and maybe you can knock him out. And I, and I think it's to me, it, it is actually similar to the Dolphins against the Bills last week, which is there's going to be a time or two where Jacksonville's going to have a have a punch and they're going to have a shot. Can they make the most of it? Like Jacksonville did against Tennessee, much different team, obviously they're facing. But remember, late in that game when they had the, everything on the line and they had that turnover and it turned into a six, right? It turned into a touchdown. Um, that that that's they have to make a play like that somewhere along the line. Jacksonville has to make a play, and maybe that can turn everything. Otherwise, I think they're in trouble. They got to turn the ball over. They got to steal a possession. They have to do something like that. Doug Peterson tried to onside kick the last time they played. He knows it. He knows they got to do that. Maybe they have to go for a couple fourth downs. Maybe they have to go for two if they score. Um, I, I do think they have the the capability on defense to do that. By the way, they're they're a pretty good defense. They're solid. You know, Josh Allen. They have a nice front. Um, so I think they have the capabilities. And Kansas City's pass defense, you can move the ball on them. Um, I, I think that, you know, this might come down to if Trevor Lawrence can rise up in the moment. This isn't going to be the Chargers, I think, giving up a big lead. You know, he was not good in that first half. Um, I, I think if they're like that again, well, then again, last time they did come back a little bit on Kansas City. But I think they have a chance here at least to make some plays. They're going to have to be aggressive and try to call their shots when they happen and convert on those shots. Maybe talk NFC here in the short time we have left with Sal Capaccio on the Duntire Roundtable. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. We'll be right back. This is WGR. Wrapping up the Duntire Roundtable, Mike Shope and the Bulldog, Sal Capaccio. I want to thank Jeremy White. So Sal mentioned the Jacksonville-Kansas City regular season game this year that the Chiefs won and how the Jaguars opened the game with an onside kick. Pretty good. So here's here's more, if you if I may. They open the game with the onside kick. They get it. Fourth and nine at the Chiefs' thirty-nine. 
When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. touchback <laughs> like you're all so cool and fancy with your onside kick here we go it's a new day we're not afraid of you we're try- we'll try anything fourth and nine at the 39 they punt it into the end zone <laughs> against Mahomes against Mahomes so yeah then the Chiefs drive into the red zone all the way down the field and fumble Jacksonville gets it back they get fourth and two at the Chiefs 44 and punt again yes I'm looking at it man touchback Dude, what are we doing here, right? Like, just what I, what I, what I wanted a red light, green light, yellow light. What, it, what happened Peterson, to the right? lights? Well, yeah, I mean, you're willing to try an onside kick, which is so random to start the game. Fine, I love it, but then you're gonna punt it twice like that. It's so bad. So, I'm um, didn't, didn't feel this way then because I didn't know, but now I'm glad they lost. Then the Chiefs scored four plays later. Bam, bam, bam. Right. See ya. Right. They drove down the field the first time. They just fumbled. <laughs> and then they yep. just, the Jaguars do the same thing. The Chiefs do the same thing, only they don't fumble and they score. Uh, Sal, in a couple of minutes here, or even three, uh, thoughts <laughs> on the, the NFC games. Philadelphia with the Giants tomorrow night, then Dallas-San Francisco Sunday. Every time I doubt the Giants, they prove me wrong. Great job coaching by Brian Dable and that staff. Um they have a lot of trouble stopping the run, though, guys. And I think the, the Eagles have a very good offensive line. Um, I think they can run the ball. They can control the game. And then it's about you know making a couple of plays downfield with A.J. Brown. So um, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Eagles. But, man, the Giants, they always seem to find a way. They do a good job of kind of scheming up and coaching and putting their guys in position. So um, we'll see on that yep. one. But I like the Eagles. Cowboys 49ers. I, I think the Cowboys can play with them. And, you know, I know the 49ers are this juggernaut. And I know Purdy's been playing well, really well. But take a look at the schedule and the teams they've beaten. They have not, they've played kind of the lightweights of the league in a lot of ways. Not a lot of great teams, not a lot of great quarterbacks. Now, I think Dallas brings a bit of a different element. They'll have a really good defense. I, I still trust 49ers defense, though, against the Cowboys offense as well as the Cowboys offense played last week. So I'll take the 49ers. But they, they, they haven't faced a really super high-quality opponent like I think they're going to face t- uh, Sunday night. Great weekend in store starting tomorrow afternoon. Sal, thanks for your time today. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow night. For sure. Absolutely. I'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Good. What, what, what's going on tomorrow night? Trista. I, I, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, this was our Dash Around the League, <laughs> by the way, uh, which is brought to you by our, uh, our friends at Dash's Markets. Shop the family of finer foods. Dash's Markets. You're totally in on this if you want to be. I, I Sort of assumed you were. I assumed that you were. No, it's all right. No, we, we, I, we, I, there might be a thing there. I don't know. She doesn't follow me. She doesn't respond to me on Twitter. I mean, she doesn't like me. I don't, I don't know. 
There's right. no way that's right. There's I, no I, way that's I, right. I, I don't know. Whatever. There's it's no fun. way that's it. Yeah. At the same I, time, I would feel the same way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's no way that's it, but that's exactly how I would feel. Right. right. <laughs> and, oh, no, that's Bulldog's, that's Bulldog's friend. That's Bulldog's friend. He doesn't follow me. He doesn't talk to me. Right. You know. But, he, no, he wants you there. No. Well, he doesn't act like it. He, he doesn't could, act like yeah, it. He could, he could make that known to me. That would that would be helpful. This is just really funny how this is playing out. Uh, I yeah. can't I can't wait to look back on it for the next 20 she years. She asked, she like, wing, buffalo wings. I, I responded. Nate Geary chimed in. Nothing. Wow. I was trash talking her with Man City and Man United because when you were off last week, uh, I had watched a clip of her deciding that Man City was going to be her Premier, Premier League team. I'm like, oh, well, good. This will be good for us. Um, so before, before the, the Friday night, before the game, or was it, was the game Sunday, whatever day, uh, I'm like, here's what I'm betting. Let's go. Nothing. Wow. Maybe she has me blocked even. I, I don't know. Blocked. <laughs> you wouldn't see her tweets then, right? No, that's right. That's Not right. even on this new Twitter where I get <laughs> all these accounts I don't want. Can't be that. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Picks coming up. More playoff talk. Mike Shope and the Bulldog. The Bandits tonight after our show in Rochester. So enjoy that. And, of course, we'll be here after the game on uh, Sunday. I say, of course, like we always are. We're not on as much because of night games and everything, but we'll definitely be here um, post-game on Sunday. Back after the update. Happy Friday. This is WGR. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.